I know, you're going to get worked. Everybody coming on in? Okay, we got one thing for uh, 12 and above. We have a, if you're going to head on over, I, well, we're talking teens, not adults. So all you're going to start running, don't do that. So I know you want to feel young, but they, our, our teenagers, basically 12 and above teenagers, we've got a special program going on over at the volleyball net. I'd like to have you go on over there. You've got Corey Terry and Cam Hamilton. Going to do a little work on active shooter stuff for you kids. So head on over there, please. I think you'll like it. Meet on over there. I think your parents will say good. Should. Okay, we all settled in. Now you all see me cry. That was good. Even the big boys can get the big boys to cry. That's good. Okay. It's a pretty special day, pretty special place. And um, we're going to continue on into the night. Now, a couple of things. We do have baptisms going on tonight during dinner. Anybody here going to get baptized? We have one already. Anybody here want to get baptized tonight? Okay, whoever, good. There we go. Okay, so there's a, right up top of that hill by the house, there is a flag, and there's a big baptism tank. We'll meet you up there as we call for dinner. We'll head on up there, and whoever wants to join and witness can go. That'll be awesome. But we will get that done. That's, that's powerful stuff right there. Okay, leadership and integrity, moral character, these are all things that the people I've worked with and served with, and they're here today, and it's a blessing. These are the strong things that guide us and should actually not be something that we have to identify in terms of examples of like special forces and so forth. But rather, these are things that every single one of us has to live by. It's a tough world that makes us force decisions. And in the world out here, we are surrounded by those challenges and those ambushes that happen that try to take us off course constantly. I cannot stress enough the importance of words. What we speak, we speak the power of life and death, and words have meaning. And as words having meaning, that's part of us being the responsible in the kingdom. We can't take that lightly, and we unfortunately we take it too lightly. You'll discover as you interact with, and I hope you all have that opportunity to interact with these men and women, that they understand another, their language is a little more precise than you're accustomed to. And it's that way for a reason, because when they deal in their world, if we aren't precise, things happen, the consequential things happen. When you hear about taking an action, you'll hear about an intel package. But intel packages are heavily vetted because the decisions of when they execute that is a kill capture of some fashion. It's men's lives and women's lives on the line. That's war on the battlefield 
It's also war that we're in now. And I can't stress that point enough. Every single one of us now is in a war. Whether you wanted to be in one or not, well, God recruited you. And if you don't like it, take it up with him. But the fact of the matter is that we're here in a time right now that this is for every single person is put on that line. And everything in your heart is going to be judged. And it's going to make the difference of whether the person on your right or your left survives. And I don't say these things lightly. Because this mentality of warfare is taken lightly. People think they can cheat on edges. They think they can turn things. They think they can manipulate things. They think they can redo little pieces of the Bible like it's not been any big deal. They think that they can blend things and do their own way and call their own thing. But that's not what we're doing here. We're dealing with kingdom. And the more we get into kingdom, we understand that there's a very clear line about how things are done. We don't get to do this like a big blender and decide which flavor we want to add or which flavor of ice cream you get. That's not it. This is serious. And that's, for me, the integrity that my brothers here and, and sisters have come means a lot because they're sharing with you what made them and what, to me, makes them so great and people to work with. It's no judgment on anybody here, but they've given you something today. What they've given you is to say we are one. And so that now means that everybody has to raise up and be greater. There's no, you know, I was talking to Willie a bit ago. And if you haven't met Willie, the owner of this place, he's awesome. But this, is, this was the conversation we had. Had to do with a little incident last night. A little other thing came up today, no big deal. But the issue is this. And he's, he and I are the same way. When no is said, no is meant. Not no, let me figure out a way around it. Let me figure a way I can slide into first base and maybe not have anybody see. Let me figure a way that maybe I can walk and step around the no to do it my way because it's my thing, it's my deal. No is no. God is this way. There is a no, and then there is a yes. And the yes in kingdom is unbelievable. The latitude we have is glorious. What he wants to do with us is incredible. And there are literally no bounds, greater works than he. But there are things that we say that are no, and you damn well better abide by them. And that's part of us building us equal respect with one another. Because if we're not going to listen to where a no is a no, then, a no, then we don't have anything. You know, when we have these festivals like this, it's challenging because I'm faced with a lot of different issues. And there's a lot of amazing people here, and we come together and knit as one body. But at the end of the day, whether I ask for it or not, this is a festival that God has asked me to steward. So at times, I have to say no. And when I say no, I mean no. No anything between, no cutting edges. At the same time, every struggle we have is a place where I have to say, how can we accommodate more? And those are the balances that God demands of us of leadership. The person I'm going to introduce next, Lieutenant Colonel Pete Chambers, retired Special Forces. This is a man of integrity. He's fought against COVID. He's held the line and gone toe-to-toe -to -toe with generals. He sacrificed his career for what is right. He understood the line of yes and no, no in between. And he held his line for the soldiers that he was in charge of and the, and the oath that he took. Please allow me to introduce to you Lieutenant Colonel Pete Chambers, retired Special Forces, and Joe 
his partner in glorious crime. Thank you. All right. Been up here so many times now, we're not too nervous, right? But I'm going to get nervous in the Lord. For the Lord. And clarify that. It is written, do not be anxious about anything, but in everything, through prayer and petition, present your request to God. And the peace of God that transcends all understanding will guard your heart and your mind in Christ Jesus. I learned that from a 23-year-old soldier in Iraq. Now, I, I knew about the Scripture. I learned what that meant from a 23-year-old soldier in Iraq at grid coordinate Mike Bravo 456789, exactly that grid coordinate. When he died right next to me, it was confirmed that he followed general order number one, that I will guard everything within the limits of my post and quit my post only when properly relieved. I learned that in the sixth day of September, 1983. I saw it come to fruition on the 12th of May, 2004, at that grid coordinate. I understood what that order meant, and I understood what that scripture means now. So that's where I'm gonna start. I'm going to set this up so that Joe and I are out of the sun because I don't want to be hotter than a road lizard. <laughs> okay, Joe, couche, rest. There you go, buddy, rest. All right. Do a couple things here that are going to be unorthodox. Because we don't have any slides, and that's okay. It doesn't matter. But what we got is the word. And we started out with, it is written. We're in a war right now. We've been in a war since the day we were born. A war for our souls. But in this country, we've been in a war since the day this country was born. Because this country was given in a covenant in 1607 on Virginia Beach when a cross was planted in the ground by John Smith and, 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 a, and two other captains of two other ships that went to Jamestown, and they dedicated this nation in covenant of marriage to Christ. That's just the way it is. And we were at war from that day, from that moment, as Satan tried to steal, kill, and destroy. When somebody tells you, the worst thing that I can hear as an infantryman when I was a grunt, we are, we are decisively engaged. The understanding of that is that you are completely on your own. You have no reinforcements. There's no one coming to get you. You are decisively engaged until you exhaust all resources. The next scariest event for a soldier that's in the, in the trenches is fixed bayonets. That's when it gets ugly. And that's where we're at right now because when the enemy gets on its heels, it gets ugly. I promise you this, there will be very few that will make it to that finish line. And I'm not talking about getting into the kingdom of God. I'm talking about in this fight that we're in right now as patriots, as Americans, and as people that have stood up for what is right across the world and then, and then back around again. We will continue to do that until 
our dying breath, just like William Barrett Travis. We will, we will be there at the Alamo, and we'll die like soldiers if we have to. That is due to our honor and our country. Now, we are not decisively engaged. See, I saw it's scary, doesn't it? We are not, because that implies that their reinforcements are not coming. But the reinforcements for us are already here. All we have to do is a couple of things. Humble ourselves, take a knee, look to God, and ask. Call his name. See, because when we read the Bible, when I read this one, and this is my Bible, there's many like it, but this one is mine. <laughs> it tells me that I don't just read one scripture and say, well, that's it, I'm done. I memorized John 15, 13, or this or that. But when I look at 2 Chronicles 7, 14, the message that I just said before, turning to God, I got to consider what does 7, 13 say? Because if you're not, you're not using this as what Bars FM talks about, the field manual. You know, field manual tells me as a soldier what to do, how to operate, how to win wars. You want to know how winning is done? Read this book. In 7.13, it says, if I stop the rains, if a locust eats their food, or if I put a plank upon their land, if then, therefore, I will do 7.14. Get on your knees, turn to me, I'll call my name. Right? So read the other stuff. <laughs> I'm not a preacher. Read the other stuff. All right? Because I never read the other stuff. I'll be honest. I was lazy. I was a nonconformist. And so I'm going to go where the Lord takes me to go. I love you. I'm willing to die for you. And I'm willing to die for that flag and that constitution against all enemies, foreign and domestic. There's a fierceness that rises up amongst people like this that stood on this stage and people like you because you're here. You are warriors. And there's a fierceness that stands up that says, no, we will hold the line every time. Not one time, not two times, every time. The reason I said I love you is because the Lord told me just now, you love these people because they are worth it. You were worth it. When somebody says to me, thank you for your service, I'll give you the answer. You are worth it. You know who I learned that from? A Congressional Medal of Honor recipient who lost his legs. And he told me, and he wrote a book about it. He's riding in a cab, and there was a Pakistani driver in New York City. He said, thank you for your service, that Pakistani driver who we sometimes try to judge. Heck, I've fought against people like that. And the kid said, you're worth it. He jumped on a grenade to save his fellow Marines downrange, and he lost his, two of his limbs. He survived. But when you look at somebody, and, and the Lord tells me, first thing you do when you see somebody is you have to. I don't care whether they just took a shot at you. Well, no, wait a minute. Let's step back up a little bit. I don't care whether they just cut you off in traffic and you ran into them at the Piggly Wiggly getting the Tic Tacs. Okay? I don't care. You love them. I love every one of you because when I do, fear is gone. 39 years of wearing a uniform on and off, 
active guard reserves, back to active, back to guard, got out, couldn't figure out what I wanted to do. Uh, actually, it figured it out for me, 9-11 happened. I figured out one thing and one thing that was very, very, very important that we have to all understand. When you operate out of hate and you operate out of uh, vitriol, when you go to try to count coup, as they say in the nations, you got to get equal. It's not what it's about. In Stephen Pressfield's book, he writes in the uh, Gates of Fire about the, the Thermopylae and the Spartans. And in that book, it's a story about a kid that becomes a Spartan warrior, and he's at the battle, and he survives it, and they're, they're questioning him. And he says, I sought my whole life to figure out what is the truest virtue of a warrior. And you know what it is? It's love. It's the kind of love, though, that a mother has for a child. It's the kind of love that when a guy goes in a door with me, behind me, next to me, front of me, goes out the, the plane, when you, when you got 30 seconds to go and you say 30 seconds and you're all ready to go and you go out this door and you know that when you get on the ground, that's going to be the only people that are going to be there with you. That's that kind of love. It's the kind of love that my brother over here has for his son when I watch that. And my tall brother here with the stick when he has his son who's grown up. And you see that kind of love. That's the kind of love I'm talking about. We've got to have that. Now, this little fella right here, this Joe dog, Colonel Joe, officially known as G.I. Joe, when he's looking at me, some people have commented it, complete, utter adoration and love. You can't deny it. I can't deny it. I'm not deserving of that kind of love from a dog. But I'm the master in this, in this fire team even though technically he outranks me. <laughs> All right, so I'm the, I'm the master in this operation. And he looks at me with love, and all he expects from me when he does something good is, good, good boy. We don't give treats. We don't have enough pockets on our uniforms to give treats downrange. Just a, one little pet. You did good, son. And he knows. Now when he messes up, all I got to do is say, Joe, yours go back. If he keeps messing up, I say, you want to go in the cage? No, right. Should we not look at the master like that? Waiting for that next order, waiting for that command, waiting for that, just that little nod. Okay, this is just my simple, simpleton 11 Bravo grunt mentality that I grew up as. Yeah, there were other things that came along that I became in the military. It means absolutely nothing. What matters is the lessons that I learned along the way that I can impart to you before I leave this planet to go home. That's the most important thing here right now because I love you. And I have to tell you that so that you can enter into the kingdom as well. But until you do, your job is to be a soldier, a warrior on this battlefield to get as many as you can get. That's how winning is done. Rocky Balboa, huh? Hey, that's how winning is done, right? I mean, but that is it. It's that simple. This army that we're in, this Ephesians 6 army that we're in, we didn't just think that up. But God has a heart for warriors, a.k.a. David, Gideon. On that, that, that thing that I got on my phone, that 
demonic device, that evil Ricky Bobby's phone that I have. I got to use it. And I got this thing called uh, Telegram. It's where we communicate with people and they get to hear what you have to say. I put out the other day, I hope I get down to 300 followers because every time I put out another scripture, I lose more people. I hope I get 300 because I'll know that they're the ones that are going the door with me. That's the truth. I said that. I think it went up about 2,000. God is amazing. Amazing. That's not even, I can't even think of a word. God is. It is written, delight yourself in the Lord. Mm. If you knew what I was thinking, delight yourself in the Lord. He will give you the desires of your heart. Combat takes things away from you. Somebody told me that once. My dad who had been there. Other people that had been there. It'll change you. No, not me. It takes away your humanity. And when I came back, my heart was as black as the night. Black. And this dog right here who sees angels and demons busted through the straight screen door of my trailer when I was ready to off myself and end this thing. This thing called pain. He knew there was something wrong and jumped in there. Now you tell me, I don't have a guardian angel. Or you don't have a guardian angel. I'm as transparent as they come. I used to live in a world of shadows, grayness. I never had one thing on the internet about Pedro Gonzalez Chambers. Never had anything. But I do now because I was a whistleblower, and I'm not, I'm not bragging on that. What I'm saying is, is that there's truth. That's a whistleblower. That's truth. We all just call it truth, okay? But there's a price with truth. When you have to do a mission, there's a price with a mission. Whether you break your leg on a jump or get shot in the face, it's an ugly business. When you tell the truth out of love, there's a price. And people may hate you. It doesn't matter. As long as you can look up, like Joe looking at me, to the master and go, he still loves me. And I still love him. As long as you can do that, he will. Because that's called delighting in the Lord. He will give you the desires of your heart. Now, I got a message today on my phone of something I lost a long time ago. And it's getting repaired. And I'll keep it there. And if you pray for me and you think about praying for me as I pray for you right now, pray that that's repaired. Ah, war. <laughs> We're in war, though. And we have to embrace the suck, right? That's what we say with the team room. Embrace the suck. And it's okay. Because it's not a pity party. It makes you stronger. So there's this, this saying, you know, that doesn't kill me, it makes me stronger. But it's how you respond to it that's what, what, what does that part of it, what makes you stronger. <laughs> All right, here we go. Ephesians. In 6.12, it is written, For we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities, powers, and against rulers of darkness of the world, and against wickedness in high places. 
Is that not clear right now? Wickedness in high places. I spent enough time in my very worst deployment in my whole life, the very worst deployment in my whole life, as a liaison in Washington, D.C. When I left there, I thought, I'm not going to look in the mirror because I will turn to stone if this thing gets hit, this Sodom and Gomorrah, that is Washington, D.C. Let's transplant the name Nineveh. And let's look at our friend Cam, a seal, that's willing to go back to Nineveh and go be in that place because there has to be somebody to do that because we are not going to cede ground. We're not going to lose ground. Once again, that's how winning is done. But because we are in such the minority, and I'm just going to use the Gideon 300 minority, unconventional tactics, God will win. Not we, God. Get that straight. This is unconventional. How do I see things right now? A lot of people ask me that. Well, I see things like this. There's a precipice, there's a hill. And once again, we've got our bayonets fixed and we're going up this hill and the enemy's at the top, unfortunately. And anybody in their right mind wouldn't fight up a hill. But let's just say there's a machine gun emplacement up there and it's, it's putting down effective fire on us going up the hill. This is like Civil War stuff. You wouldn't do that nowadays. Now, this is the fight we're in because that's the ground we got to take. And when you look at that precipice and you see that precipice and we can just about see it right now, this is where we're at. These are my visions. This is where we're at. There is a precipice and we got fixed bayonets and we're running up that hill, all of us, all of us right here. And we might lose some here and there and there'll be some wounded and it's okay. I've been wounded before. Let me tell you, you don't even think about it when you're in the midst of battle. I've seen Green Berets with half their legs shot off, returning fire effectively. You know who the most dangerous person on the battlefield is? That guy. He's still effectively putting rounds down range. And I crawl up next to him, put a tourniquet on the rest of the way, and he gets mad at me for messing up his shot, and then says, get on your two, you know, 203 and start shooting, Doc, my grenade launcher. Okay, roger that. That guy's the most dangerous guy on the battlefield because he's already accepted that he may not be here in the next hour. He's still laying down effective fire. We have to leave here. We should have came here understanding that it doesn't matter. We in glory. If you believe that, you are the most dangerous person on the, the spiritual warfare battlefield. But it comes with a cost. Loss of friends, loss of telegram followers, hmm, right? The gaining of friends, though they be less in numbers, but higher in integrity and morality and ethics, to me, I'll switch that all day long. The fire team that we have now, I'm going to call this the Remnant A team, is being blessed as we speak. I'll give this and I'll, a shout out to, to uh, Jamie and Robert A.G., the billboards for freedom people. They called me and said, you got to come to Lubbock and meet some people and then speak at this event. And I went right before I came here. And I got there and uh, I got to meet an anonymous person that gave money for billboards to be put out throughout Texas. It says, hashtag, let my people go. It's a counter human trafficking. <clears throat> 
I didn't ask for that. I don't mean the applause, thank you. I didn't ask them to do that. This was anonymous. They did it for the Remnant 18 because what's happening on the border, because it's we the people that are taking care of that border right now. Now, there are some National Guard doing great things, and there are still some good guys inside of Border Patrol. But it's we the people. But the point of what I'm trying to say is God blesses these things when you come to him and pray with supplication and honor and respect and humility and not fake humility. Had a conversation with my pastor friend last night about humility. Not fake humility. The respect that you have for the Lord that should exude off of you. See, you can exude confidence, confidence, and demonstrate competence all day long. But when you start reflecting it back upon yourself, not the glory of the Lord, because in Psalms it says, not to us, Lord, not to us, Lord, but to thy name be the, <laughs> the glory. There you go. The glory. Let me tell you about glory. I never knew what that was other than a movie. It was a Civil War movie. I thought it was pretty cool. But what is real glory? It talks about it in Stephen Pressfield's book. What is glory? What is the glory of a virtue of a warrior? Is it wearing tabs and seal Budweiser's, you know, badges and, and, and cool green hats? None of us like to wear those anyway. They're cool looking, but they sure are hot. <laughs> Unless it's a cold day. We're proud of them. But it ain't about any of that. The glory is something that you see down a long hallway and it's dark all the way around. And just under a door, about 200 meters down, you see a little bit of a sliver of light. And when that light strikes you down to your knees, that little tiny sliver of light strikes you to your knees. And I've been on my knees with a tiny sliver of light. That glory, once you've seen it, you can't unsee it. Why is it that this song, I don't even know if I should even do this. <laughs> I'm a soldier, bound for glory. I'm a soldier, going home. Come and hear me, tell my story. All who love the Savior come. Some may say that I'm too noisy, but I'll tell you the reason why. If they only knew the glory, they would be as loud as I. The Rochesters, I'm not a singer. <laughs> but I love that song because it says, if you only knew what I just saw or described that sliver, what would happen when we step through that thing? Okay? That's the end of the journey. That's the end of the battle. And then we, work in, we go into another realm we couldn't even describe because it's a mystery. And I want it to be a mystery. And I don't want to know what day it's coming. Because until I get there... I'll be fighting all the way up that hill. Bayonets fixed. And I'll be telling you, or you'll be telling me, follow me if you want to live. But I won't say it that way anymore, because that was a hostage rescue thing. Follow me if you want to live. Let's go. We'll get you out of here. Follow him if you want to live. Truly live. There is a question that every soldier asks himself and herself. What will happen when I get there and I'm actually in combat? What will I do? I don't know. What will you do? Because I've had kids come to me downrange, my son's age, who's currently going in to be a Green Beret himself, 
and said, oh, I can't wait to get out there, sir. I can't wait to get there. I've got to get into this. I've got to be like you. I want to be like so-and-so. I want to be like so-and-so. No. You don't know what that is. But in this fight, it's the opposite. You've got to get on this team, and you've got to look for that fight. You've got to kick those doors. You've got to jump out of those planes. You've got to make those perfect shots. You've got to be on target when you're shooting 1,250 meters with a 6.5 Creedmoor, or you're taking a tomahawk and throwing it 30 feet. You've got to be on target. You want to be in that fight, and that fight will have its costs. I promise you. That kid that, that, that spoke Philippians 4, 6, and 7, that, that it is written that I started with, do not be anxious about anything. He would say that from a rooftop in Baghdad. When we first got there, we drove through the desert. We got to Baghdad. We got this old blown-up building. We had a, a wall around it. It was one of the palaces that was hit by six JDAMs, so we didn't get to sleep inside, but we slept outside on the rooftops. It was hot. And every once in a while, you get attacked, so we'd go up to the rooftop, and we'd fight. And then we'd go back down, because there was no operating bases at the time. They were starting to have <laughs> That was us establishing. But he would, he would shoot, and he would, he would be whispering that scripture while he's shooting. Do not be anxious about anything. Ba ba ba. Prayer and petition. Boop. And I'd ask him, I was like, Sergeant Schaefer, what is, what is it that you're saying? He said, well, I, I just find that it calms me when I say that scripture that my mom taught me when I was a kid. His mom, Mrs. Shaver. His mom, Mrs. Shaver, who I delivered his body to in Washington State. When he protected me on the 12th of May, 2004, and lost his life. Now, this is going to be hard to hear. Probably going to be the hardest thing you're going to hear today. Joe, touche. When I looked at her and I thought, this lady's going to hate me. She seems kind of like a hippie. Not nothing against hippies, but they don't generally get along well with guys in uniforms. I said, all right, I'm willing to take everything. I'm a captain. I'll take it. And I walked up to her and I said, ma'am, I was his commanding officer. I was responsible for everything that happens or failed to happen. And that day, he did his job. He followed general order number one. I explained to her what that was. And I said, whatever you want to say, do, if you want to hit me. I didn't say that to her, but I'm thinking if she wants to hit me, I'll take it all. And she looked at me and said, live your life like his life mattered. That's a mother. That's a mother's love because she wants his memory to go on. And that's why I continue to talk about it every single time I get in front of an audience. But God, live your life like his life mattered. Because we can't see in that ethereal realm, if we will. You can sense, I can sense demonic oppression. We can sense beings. Walk in the Spirit. You'll find out you can do a lot more than you thought. But when we see it laid out in front of us from a story from a soldier who's seen a lot of things, and put too many kids in a body bag. Those stories are real. This is tangible. I'm here in front of you. And a mother telling me that, that's, that's a story that you hear. Should we not read these words and feel the same way 
and have the same emotional response to the Christ the King who died for us and His blood covered our transgressions, our transgressions and our sins. Should we not have the same feeling every time we think about living our life like His life mattered? Whether we stumble, whether we have to pivot off of sin, repent, whether we have to chastise a brother in love because they're not living right, 70 times 7, whatever it takes, because we're not going to leave our brothers behind. We're not going to leave our brothers or sisters behind. That's our duty. That is your duty. That's why we get excited about this. That's why I can't unsee the glory under that little door. I can't unsee it. I just can't. Because it's amazing. And if you can take an old rough soldier like me that's broken and use me as a tool, Lord, then please use me as a tool. And every story that's out there, they're not told for self-aggrandizement or for a book. I would say I would, I'm not a seal. I don't write books. But we got a seal here today. <laughs> that's just a joke, Cam. He's bigger than me. <laughs> no, he's not that guy. I promise you. Um, but it's not about that. It's about the kingdom. Glory to Him every time. It is written, Mein Zuverist und mein Berg, mein Gott auf den ich hoffe. Psalm 91, verse 2. The most effective weapon in spiritual warfare is God's Word. That's why this right here is my body armor now. It's also my weapon system, right? My refuge and my fortress in God in whom I trust. Why would I bring that up right now? Because I want to explain something to you. We make covenants, all right? We make covenants, and these covenants are real. And I have... Part of the troubles of my life is I haven't fulfilled covenants. We'll never, ever do that again. Psalm 91, verse 2. Mein Zuverist und mein Berg. Got it in Germany. Going through there as a patient. Why did I get that? Because I made a deal when I was laying there on the ground thinking I was going to die. Lord, if you just get me through this, I will tell every single person I see about you. He lived up to his side of the bargain. And I got it in German because it's cool looking, first of all. <laughs> There's some German folks here. But more importantly, because I knew the psychological operation that I was about to enter into. And that was the questions that came from me next to, on the plane when I wear a short sleeve shirt. And they say, what's that say? That's cool. Is that some kind of Hitler stuff? I'm like, no, it's not. It's the word of God. And I get to talk about God. That's a psychological operation. That's how winning is done. When I got about five minutes, tell me and I'll keep going for five more or ten. All right. Where we're at now in this country, people talk about cognitive dissonance. Let me tell you something about that. Everybody learns two big words and all of a sudden they're all experts in psychology. All right, look. 
Cognitive dissonance to me is I used to dip six cans of snuff a week. Now I only dip one. It can't be that bad for me. Minimizing something. That's really what it is. This country is in straight up, no lie, Stockholm syndrome because everybody, including myself at times, has been captured in one way or another. Now, some of us has escaped from the prison camp. Most people in here probably have because I'm speaking to the choir, right? But Stockholm syndrome requires some tactics to survive long-term captivity in a prisoner of war camp. And if we don't do this right now, what I'm getting ready to tell you to do, in a year from now, when there's quarantine camps in this country, and they come and tell you they're going to put you in them, you're going to have to use these tactics from the inside of that camp out. But I'd much rather do this now and tell you this is what you're going to have to do now. You're going to have to get in the, the, the biggest fight of your life, a spiritual fight that you never even dreamed of. It will, everything that we've done downrange, it will pale in comparison to this fight. I promise you. It starts with this enemy right here. I call it the liar inside of me. The person that lies to me is me. It's the ego. It's the this. It's the that. It's the addictions. It's the whatever. You name it, that's what's stealing it. You want to be the most dangerous person on the battlefield? Defeat that one first. Put that in check. Control those demons. With the name of Jesus Christ, you can, you can pull that off of yourself. Or somebody can help you do it. I'll help you do it. I'll go, to, go through any door for any one of you people. That's how winning is done. Through him. Stockholm Syndrome. Here's, here's the key. Little victories. When I was a prisoner of war, not in combat, in training, worst three weeks of my life, the best three weeks of my life, because I learned about myself and about how much I could take, not as a proof to prove anything, but to understand when I was getting ready to give up too much because I knew at this point I wouldn't be able to take anymore. Little victories. I'll, I'll explain. People's Republic of Pineland exists. It's a training scenario that goes on in North Carolina outside of Fort Bragg. People's Republic of Pineland. There's a lot of pine trees there. If I'm bowing to the flag of the Communist Republic of Pineland, I gotta go all the way to my knees and past it. Otherwise, I get slapped, beat up, thrown in the people's pond, waterboarded, uh, put in a little room, butt naked with a fire hose, uh, crawling around in the ground, looking at somebody's backside because there's no clothes on it, and going, can you really do this to Americans in America? Okay, well, these are just crazy things that happens when you're going through training, but that's for a point, is to bring you down, they're to break you as much as they can. But the little victory comes in me just starting right here. I'm just going to go that far. That's it. I didn't get hit. So, go to your Piggly Wiggly and they tell you you got to wear a mask. No, I'm not. You're going to have to leave. No, I'm not. They'll follow you around the store. No, that's all right. They get to the counter. You got the stuff in front of them. Take it all the way to the end. And then when it's time to go, they'll they either pay you out or they won't. You just leave the stuff there and walk out. Go somewhere else. But you just ignore all that because that is called a Hegelian dialectic. And what that is is the left and the right, this unit party that they've created for us, they have created for us, is controlling us by using this dialectic. Uh, Hegel talks about it. We don't. There's another big word. Let's just talk about 
two people with two different discussions trying to synthesize something in the middle to run us like a bunch of cattle through the chute. We're done with that. The way you win a Hegelian dialectic, there's, there's really two ways. We'll just talk about one because the other one requires ammo, is, <laughs> is you cleave that. In the name of Christ, in Jesus' name, you cleave that and say, no, I'm not entering in that discussion. Right? There you go. All right, now, that's, that's the little victories, and that's it. That's all I got, because I don't have the answers. I don't have all the answers. All I know is that we're in for a fight. By the end of this year, it's going to get worse. In this, this realm, it's going to get worse. Not in that realm, because we're going to win that fight, right? <laughs> Absolutely. I mean, come on. In that realm, we are going to, we are going to win... In the name of Jesus Christ, we will win. He has already won. He has already, he has already accepted it. Little victories will take you to the big victory. I like that. Sign her up. Bring her in, coach. All right. I'm almost done here. I don't even have a clue how long I got, but it's okay. We're going to get there. All right. Got it. That means... Hmm? Okay. <laughs> All right. We can do it. We can do it because I'm, I'm, I'm there. I'm there. I've talked about this before. I'm going to talk about it again because where are we at? Everybody wants to know. Where are we at? What can we do? What you can do is exactly what you're doing. Create communities and you go out there in these communities, then link up communities. Texas, we got five, six big ones now. They're, 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 they're talking. I met with some folks from uh, the middle Ohio River Valley folks. Great folks, right? There's my buddy from up there. Uh, the, you know, uh, we've met some wonderful people across the world. Heck, I've had fresh milk in a living room with no electricity with a bunch of Amish folks. I mean, driving around like Paul Revere through the back country of Ohio. I mean, it's pretty amazing. <laughs> These people are great. And they don't even know what's happening to them. But you go in there and you tell them, and they love on you, and you love on them, and you tell them the truth. And they become part of your team, right? So now we've got teams everywhere. This is what Green Braves do. This is what we're supposed to do. We're supposed to go to foreign places in other languages, 12 dudes, put us in the middle of nowhere. Everybody wants to kill us and put our head on the internet, but we're supposed to convince them to fight their government. Whoa. All right. So now we are doing it in English. We don't have to fix bayonets. No, they're not trying to kill us, but they have, right? They've done it already, this fifth generation warfare. It comes in the form of biologics. It comes in the form of a lot of things. But we're connecting people together. And when we connect them through Christ, that bond is so strong, you cannot deny it. And you cannot lose. You will not lose. I promise you. 6th of June, 1944. Omaha Beach. Colonel George Taylor goes on the beach. I've told this before. A colonel. You saw some lieutenant colonels up here today. That's pretty rare to see a lieutenant colonel in a fight. He was a lieutenant colonel at the time. He gets on the beach and he's behind the berm too and there's incoming rounds, indirect and direct. And he looks around at the bodies strewn across the beach, I don't know, for, in the thousands, in the thousands. Blood going back down into the water, bodies floating. Kids, my son's age, I know what it looks like. I don't want him to go there. 
but he's going to stand up for you just like I did. I promise you. Now, thank you. Now, George Taylor says, there are two kinds of men on this beach, the dead and those who will die. Follow me if you want to live. I'm paraphrasing. And they bust through Bangalore torpedo through some wire, and they move that, and they go all the way to Berlin with the help of the 101st Brad Miller and his folks. Thank you very much, his predecessors. And they go to all the way to Berlin, and they win that war. But it took those kind of leaders in those pivotal moments to change the momentum, to turn this thing around. The momentum is here. We are here. And we are going to continue to fight this fight. And every time we turn around, I'm going to ask you this. There are two, there, out of 100 soldiers, look, out of 100 soldiers, 10 shouldn't even be here. 80 are nothing but targets, and nine day the battle make, and we're lucky to have them. But the one is a leader, and the, they'll take you home. Be the one, and if you can't be the one, be the nine. And if you've got some friends that are the targets, you can convince them to come over. But that's, those numbers are the same since I came in the Army in 1983 to present. That thing was written by a guy named Heraclitus after the Spartans battle at Thermopylae in 40 BC. So that, those numbers haven't changed. People are people. We're just as dang dumb as we ever were. But we get a lot smarter when we accept Christ. Now, I've got, to, I've got to try something here. I don't know if he's here. Jedediah? Is Jedediah here? Okay, well, I'm going to lift him up. Right there is his dad. He's raising him right. And that kid's going to be a warrior. He's already figured out he's 10? 11. He wants to be a Green Beret. Well, I'm going to lift him up because he's the future. Okay, and there's a lady I met here. Uh, she's a reformed RN. Her name is Robin. Robin, are you here? Ah, there you are. I'm just going to say that, and I'm going to give you. You're the example of what has to happen of the 80, because that has to, you have to, you pivoted. You're a reformed RN. You told me that, and God bless you for that. Let's give her a round of applause. Robin, we love you. And you're going to go out and you're going to be a warrior because I could see it in your eyes when I met you. I saw it. You're a warrior. All right. Be the nine, be the one, and be ever stalwart. Dr. Chambers out. It's um, real interesting because in this fight we've had in, within the military, and Pete and I have talked about this, there's, um, we go back to World War II, and there's a great scene in the beginning of the movie Saving Private Ryan. And it's when you have Tom Hanks, who's the captain, comes off the beach. We've talked about this. And um, he meets with the full bird colonel. And they have a conversation there, and the colonel's asking the captain, what's the situation? And the captain's giving him his real intel. That's what we call today the battle captain, though it's been completely perverted. What you're going to witness, what you're witnessing right now is a very interesting shift, and Pete's right to the point of the spear of this. In our ranks, we go major, lieutenant, colonel, colonel. So in World War II, the colonel was still an officer of the soldiers. Unfortunately, colonels have become a politicized rank. 
They do tours of the CFR. They do dumb things like believe that war college is going to lead them to greater things and knowledge about soldiers, and they lose touch. But lieutenant colonels, and you've heard from a couple of them today, have become that new rank of standing and sacrificing with the soldier. That's something we honor. Thank you, sir. Thank you for all you do. All right, I'm bringing on the ladies. They tell me I have to leave. So I'm out. Here they go. All right, this next guy you're going to hear from, this is going to be an issue. <laughs> this, is, this is a tether. How many of y'all know that God does not have a tether? How many of y'all know that the devil likes to tether? Tonight we're going to cut that cord. Pastor Neil Peterson's here. We're going to cut those cords. The devil likes to get inside, and he's very, very sneaky. And this man that's going to come up ran for governor of my state of Ohio last year. His name's Pastor Neil Peterson. He's a veteran, combat vet. Today, I don't know if you guys have noticed this, but this is the day, and you're going to hear this in the roundtable, the connection between kinetic, how many know what kinetic is, and spiritual warfare. How many know what spiritual warfare is? The reason why we had Pastor Anthony up here, the reason why we're bringing Pastor Neil up here, the reason why we brought all these amazing veterans like uh, Pete Chambers up here is because we are fighting a spiritual battle. So Leah and I have the honor of calling this man that's coming up here, not just a friend, but a brother in Christ, a man that's been there for us. We, he has allowed us to hold four events impromptu, sometimes with just two weeks notice at his church never asking for a dime. His whole church steps up. Uh, you're going to hear from his um, worship leader here tonight. Do not miss that. That is required attendance for everybody at Bard's Fest. Bring your kids 8 to 10. Everybody is required to be here. This is not an option because we have something to do. And Pastor Neil has been doing it. He is literally a founding father. He has laid down his life, his fortune, and his sacred honor on the line to save a nation, to save my state. And I'm gonna tell you something. I call this man my governor, even though he didn't actually win. <laughs> but spiritually speaking, these seats are demonically held. And he spoke to Cam a little bit back there, uh, Cam Hamilton, because Cam's running for an office. We gotta take these seats back spiritually. And this man, Pastor Neil Peterson, knows how to fight in the spiritual realm like nobody I've ever met, and why? because he's done it physically. He has fought physical battles. And when you take the tools that you have in physical battle, then you can take them to the spirit realm with tools that you are going to be equipped with here this weekend, okay? And for anybody watching, and anybody's here, is anybody here from the CIA, the FBI, or the NSA? Just raise your hand, please, I'd like to know. Oh, really, okay. So uh, we're gonna be handing out a bunch of weapons here today, like, Amazing weapons. They're stock full back here. Like we're handing out weapons like nobody's ever seen. We have an Uzi. Okay? Spiritually speaking, Pastor Neil Peterson, come here. Here's our arms dealer. Are you ready? Leah, I know you got something to say about this man before I hand him the microphone and unleash him. And I have told him tonight, 
to go wide open. How many of you like to drive wide open? Come on. This is going to be life-changing. So I want you to take everything that you've learned today and listen to Pastor Neil. And this is audience participation. As a matter of fact, can I do this? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Anybody sitting in the back, if you could make your way towards the front, come on, bring it to the front. Everybody, all, I see all of you, you cannot hide. Come to the front because you're going to be equipped and you gotta come to the front if you want. Okay, let's put it this way. If you don't want spiritual weapons, stay in the back. Okay, all right, Leah, what do you got? Shame, public shaming. No, just kidding. Um, yeah, I'm, not, I'm gonna not talk, but I want you guys to know this is my brother in the spiritual realm. I want you to treat him like he's your brother. Um, he doesn't know it, but he's part of something in, in the Bards Nation. And he has come here on, on my request uh, to do tonight what has needed to be done for a very long time. And so after dinner, we're going to come back for a round table. And after that, the, the men of God are going to be handing out spiritual weapons to you guys. And today is the day, you know, Scott, how many of you know Scott's talking about saving the kids, right? Um, you know, there's, some, there's a little thing in our nation that everybody likes to call out. It's called pornography. Well, you can't end the sex trafficking until you attack pornography. And we have to recognize that Satan has been attacking the men so that they can't protect the women and children. And the men that you've heard today have decided that they're going to protect the women and children. And nobody in the entire world has ever had a lineup of men who are so pure and so righteous and they are making, they're staking their claim here today. And they're saying, we're going to be pure. We're going to be holy. We're going to be righteous. So I want you guys one thing when you leave today, you are honored to be a part of the, of the first of many. Here you go. Can we give the resistance chicks a wonderful hand? Wow. This is a good looking group. Isn't God good? Come on. Isn't he good? He's worthy of our praise. Well, I am fully vaccinated by the blood of Jesus. Are you? The blood of Jesus is the most powerful weapon against darkness. It's the blood. Shout the blood. Shout the blood. The enemy is not afraid of your influence. He's not afraid of your skills, your talents. He's afraid of the blood of the lamb the lamb that was slain before the foundation of the world. You and me and our nation are in full spiritual battle. What we're seeing today is full spectrum warfare. Shout warfare. warfare. And what we need to know is that there's a level of warfare that is not just happening around us, and it is. But there is warfare that's happening internally within the depths of our heart. And what I've seen in 2020 when the pandemic came, remember, I know this group very well. This, you're my people. Any misfits out there? Any misfits? Okay, welcome. I'm, I'm a fellow misfit. The Lord said that we're peculiar people. It says friendship with the world is enmity to God. So we have to understand that stop looking for the world to accept you. The world is not going to accept you. Shout yes. So we are to see that there's a barometer when the world resists the things that are passionate 
that God put in your heart, that is an indicator that God's doing something in you. Now, what's important right now is the ecclesia, the called out ones, that we stop tearing each other down. There is a false gospel, a false Christ, a false church. But you better make sure that you're working out your own salvation in fear and trembling. Amen? Because it is appointed once for a man to die, and then the judgment. So I don't know what you've heard. There's been some amazing speakers. I can't hold a candle to all the pedigree and all of the other amazing men and women. But what I do know is that the Lord wants to bring a personal level of freedom in your own life. In 2020, when the pandemic came, I was so indignant, so outraged, so sorrowful in my soul as I cruised along interstate. Anybody from Ohio, by the way? All right, let's give it up for Ohio. Well, let's give it up for Kentucky, too. Let's give it up for Kentucky. I was indignant. I was outraged. I was burdened in my soul when I saw church after church that was closed. Because the greatest hour for the church, the body of Christ, is right now. The harvest is plenty. The laborers, the workers are few. Shout, I'll be a laborer. God is calling you right now to be a laborer to get out of your comfort zone. Do you think this pastor from the mighty church of Brookville, Ohio, wanted to run for governor as part of the Black Robe Regiment in the spirit? Or do you think it's because God calls you to do things that you cannot do yourself? Has God ever called you to do something so outlandish, so out ridiculous that you don't even want to tell your wife or husband? Because just maybe that's actually what you're being called to do. But sometimes we get so outraged with the world system, which is part of Satan's plan for your life to bring you into submission is his world system. But sometimes what I find is in groups like this, there is plenty of outrage, there's plenty of resistance, but yet you're not winning the own battles in your own soul. Amen or ouch. So tonight... I want to bring the power, the fire, the anointing of God as his humble servant that God may show up with his fire and glory amongst this tabernacle tonight. Is that okay? Do we want revival for America to see God save his nation? Because I don't know about you, I've not given up on this nation. And I will not stop until we see that every man, woman, and child gets the right to serve Jesus Christ, the rightful king of this nation. Would you pray with me? Dear Heavenly Father, we ask that you would come and dwell amongst us as you've promised to do. Holy Spirit, I ask that you would come and reach hearts. Lord, that you would break away stony hearts. Lord, that you would reveal things in our own hearts that we need to change that there would be a time of repentance amongst us where we would rightfully allow you to search our own heart as we are unable to search our hearts. As King David cried out, search my heart, O God, and reveal any unclean thing in me. Lord, on this night of awe, as we prepare for Yom Kippur, 
Lord, the day of covering, that you would come and meet us and bring your blood over the doorpost of our heart and bring the Lamb of God into the inner dwelling of our being that we may not just be saved, but we may have the power and the authority over darkness. And we ask that in the name given above every name, Jesus Christ, and everyone said, everybody said, all right. So who here is ready for the Lord to bring a fresh wave of power into your life? I campaigned for a year from August 15, 2021 to 2022. We're not short. The resistance is not short of information. But we are at times short of the true transformation power that only the spirit of the living God can change us. Do you want changed? What I want to tell you this evening is there is a desire for the Lord that you may have dominance over darkness. You are engaged in a level of, of full spectrum warfare. Look at your neighbor and say full spectrum warfare. Full spectrum warfare as defined by the military, let me, let me read this to you, is also called full spectrum superiority. It is a military entity's achievement of control over all dimensions of the battle space, effectively possessing an overwhelming diversity of resources in areas of the terrestrial, aerial, maritime, subterranean, extraterrestrial, psychological, bio, and cyber-technological warfare. And that is what the enemy is engaged in in your life, your family, your city, your church, your community, and your nation. But it's God's plan that you have the full spectrum warfare because God has placed you above and not below. We are spiritual people divinely possessing the Spirit of God, that we have the ability to tread or trample on serpents and scorpions. And how many knows that is the area of the demonic, the realm of the spirit, the fallen angels, that we have the ability to trample upon the serpents and scorpions and over, listen, over all the power of the enemy. Here's the promise, and nothing, shout nothing, by any means will hurt you. Do you believe that? Do you believe that you possess the spirit of the living God to trample on darkness? Am I in the right place? The reason this is important is because you have a job to do, but you've got to begin to take a hold through the consecration process of the spirit to become more and more like the image of Christ. Not like the person you follow, not like your favorite talk radio host, but like Christ. And becoming like Christ is a process, hear me, where God molds you and breaks you into his image and likeness. How many's been broken? How many wants to be broken tonight? Be careful, be careful. I've asked God to break me about a thousand times, and you know what? Every time he delivers. 
And I said, Lord, I can't take it. He says, you can take it because I want you to reflect my image. I want you to be pressed in the press. I want olive oil to be squeezed out of you. I want the anointing to be squeezed out of you. I want to see my life become more and more in your very inner being. So when people see you, who do they see? I'm hoping that. But that's not always the case. Because we, as we war for righteousness in our land, and that's noble, no greater love than this, than one who lays down his life for his friend. But there is a process that God wants you to come into his possession that you may win the battles in your own heart. Say full spectrum warfare. And that is what we are engaged in, and that is what we're going to talk about today, is our adversary. Do you know that you have an adversary? The Word of God says that Satan, who is your adversary, he comes like, shout like, a roaring lion seeking to whom he may devour. Have you ever had any battles with the enemy? Any entanglements? Any snares? Any setbacks? Hiccups? Where you found that the enemy found a place in your life where there's compromise. He found a place in your life where he can get you in the full spectrum warfare of your mind or your flesh, shout my flesh. And so full spectrum warfare covers three primary things and we're gonna focus on one today. But that is your inner self. The first place and the most dangerous place is the man, the soul that lives within you, your mind, your will, your emotions constantly being tossed back to and from by every wind of doctrine, constantly getting upset and using these because this group's like this, oh, I'm righteously indignant. No, you're just pissed off, okay? You're, don't try to spiritualize your pissed off self. I'm right, I'm gonna flip tables. He ain't gonna do none of that. I've, I've heard so many people say they're gonna flip tables. I've not yet once seen one person flip any tables. A lot of quacking and talking. But the self in us is emotional. And our emotions, if not leveraged by the Spirit of God, will actually be the very mechanism that the enemy uses to destroy you. You know, I've seen men and women of God, and I've seen patriots that were unbelievable warriors on the battlefield, but they lost the war in their marriage. I've seen patriots who went out to go ahead and cross the Rubicon and they were absolutely men that would give and lay down their lives, but they lost their children. And so we have to rightfully understand that there's a simultaneous warfare that we need to be builders, but yet warriors. We need to be lovers, but yet worshipers. Am I talking to anybody? And so we need to understand that Satan, he is the God of this world. Shout, he's the God of this world. And according to 2 Corinthians, it says that he has blinded the minds of those who don't believe. Don't you see that your greatest battle when it comes to trying to share truth is there's other people that put their fingers in their ears and their hands over their eyes and they say, I don't want to hear the truth. 
because Satan has blinded their eyes. Now, if you're not careful, the person in you, the self, will actually become indignant with that individual instead of having compassion that they're blinded, you're actually mad at the wrong person. So there is a battle that's happening that you need to have the eyes to see and the ears to hear what the Spirit of God is saying that your brother, your sister, the person next to you, your coworker, your wife or your husband is not your enemy. We need to rightfully define that there's an enemy. There's an enemy from within. There's an enemy from without the world system. And lastly, there is the enemy, our adversary, the devil. Satan has one goal in your life. I shared it according to John 10, 10. He comes to steal, kill, and destroy. Listen, but he says, Christ says, I have come to give life. Say it with me. And that more. All right, good. You're Bible people. I love that. 1 Peter 5, 8. Listen to this. I want you to listen. Be sober-minded and be watchful. Say, I'm watching your adversary, the devil, he prowls around like a roaring lion, seeking to whom he may devour. Now this is, here's the admonition. Resist him, say resist. Stand firm in your faith, knowing that same kinds of sufferings are being experienced by your brothers throughout the world. And after you have suffered a little while, shout just a little bit, the God of all grace who has called you to his eternal glory in Christ will restore, confirm, strengthen, and establish. God is, he is doing something in you that as you feel like you're simply on an island, be honest, you ever felt like you're on an island? Do you ever felt like there's a little of us and a lot of them? God is intentionally taking the small and foolish things of this world to confound the wise. God has a process. He doesn't use the majority. Stop looking for the majority. God gave me a word early this year. He says, I'm not raising up mega churches. I'm raising up mighty churches. So there's an understanding that God uses mighty things. Say, I'm mighty. So we need to understand we're spiritual people. But we also need to understand that God has a remedy to deal with the inner conflict of our inner soul. Some of you, I'm a pastor, but some of you are dealing with things in your life right now that you brought under this tabernacle. That's what I'm calling it. That you know that there's things that's hindering your faith walk. And you're public and vocal about all of the things that's happening in the nation, but yet you're tormented, you're afflicted, you're in bondage, and you can't seem to get free. And yet you want to work and labor and toil in the harvest fields, but yet there's a greater work that God wants to do in you, but you've not been under the anointing to break the yoke of the bondage from within. Am I talking to anybody that's walking in any type of addiction, a pain, a bondage, that you can't seem to get free? Because what Christ did when he unrolled the scroll of Isaiah, he says, I've come to set the captives free. I've come to give sight to the blind. So while you're laboring for this nation, I commend you, but you need to understand that there's a greater level of freedom because you can be in prison 
and be the freest man there is, but yet you can be a free man in the natural, but yet be a prisoner. And God wants to set captives free tonight. You don't have to wait. You can be free. Can we talk about freedom? If you love freedom, shout something. Shout anything. Shout, just shout. Make a shout if you love freedom. God's way. Amen. Where's that shofar? Brother, you blow that whenever you feel like it. I love the shofar. The shofar is a commanding blast to assemble the army. You know that we're an army dressed for battle right now? We're not a weak people. We're not a confound people. We're not a confused people. We're a powerful people that are dressed for battle. By the way, just tell me, what time do I need to look at my watch, Leah, to be done, just so I know? Okay, you got it. Somebody shout demons. We don't want to glorify demons, but you know, churchianity and the, the church religious realm have not talked about the spiritual world, and we've, we've dumbed down the gospel to the point where we've given people so much milk, they don't even know how to defeat the giants in their own life. There's giants from without, and there's giants from within. The demons are things that work in your life to keep you hindered and discouraged and dismayed so you are not a threat to the enemy. So demons are something that we need to contend with, and demons are persons without bodies. Demons want to use your body to fulfill the lusts and the fantasies and the desires and the appetites that they cannot do unless they get in you. So I don't have time to get into where they came from, but what we need to understand is that demons are persons. Say they're persons. We understand that darkness are places in our lives where the enemy can use that veil of darkness to live within you. Now, I want to break down some religious fairy tales. Demons are not resting on your shoulder. Okay? Demons are not just over here lurking, although they can, but they want to make you the tabernacle, not made by human hands, but by the hands of God. They want to get in you inside. This is why Christ Jesus, the Savior of the world, casts them out, not off. Shout amen. I like you guys. We're getting into this. So there's activities of demons. Demons want to try to hinder every part of your life so you are not a threat to the kingdom of darkness. Am I preaching to warriors? Because if you want to fight on the plane of the battlefields of darkness... You are the children of light. Say, I'm the light. So to fight as the children of the light, as the sons of God, you need to understand how to defeat your adversary, how to not be ignorant of Satan's schemes. Someone hold their phone up. Someone hold their phone up. How to not be ignorant of Satan's schemes and his devices. You know that device you hold in your hand is the tree of knowledge. You could find good on there, but it's full of evil. How you use that device is a portal into the realm of good and evil, and it's up to your choices 
And it's also compelled to what is living in you about what you are being pulled into. Some of you have lost all your joy, and even though you can quote the Word of God, even though you may know the Word of God, you no longer know the God of the Word. You act like a Christian when it comes to your mouth. You say the right things when you're in the right groups, but God would say that it's a people that acknowledge me with their lips, but he says, I see your heart and your heart is far from me. He discerns the thoughts and the intentions of a man. So we are seeing a people right now that although on one hand they're warriors, on the other hand, they're getting their butt kicked in the realm of good and evil. Am I speaking to anyone? Because I want to give you a promise here today, according to the word of God. Therefore, there is no condemnation for those who are in Christ. Shout, in Christ. There's no condemnation in Christ. So when you're in Christ, there's no condemnation. But there's condemnation outside of Christ. You ever felt condemned? Has your heart condemned you? So there's a war. And there's many other more qualified men that will talk about the war that you must take up in the natural for your family, for your friends, for your nation, and that's needed. But tonight I'm here to bring deliverance to the captives of the war from within. Demons have activities that you must look out for tonight. They entice. They tempt you to do evil often it comes in verbal forms. It comes in a voice. You hear three voices all the time. Can I tell you what they are? It is the voice of your own inner self. It's the voice of God because he says, my sheep hear my voice. Say, I hear the voice of my God. And there's another voice that sounds just like your voice. And that is the voice of the enemy. And if we don't understand how to be soldiers, we will be led by the wrong voice. We will be like sheep without a shepherd. And so what is happening, there's a divide amongst the flock because they're listening to the wrong voice. Because the voice is the one that you follow. He says, my sheep know my voice. And I have other flock that are not from this pasture. I wish I could talk about that, but I can't. But demons, they harass, they study you, they follow you. They study your weak moments because spirits come under the gene orations, under the generational line. There is a process where the same demons that afflicted your mom are there afflicting you. You ever been to the doctor? They said, have you ever had this? Has your mom had this? Have you had this? Well, there is a spiritual law that God has placed in the universe where the sins of the fathers come into the third, the second and the third generation. So unless you break the yoke of darkness and walk as a son of God, you are going to come under the same bondage of mom and dad. But God says, I've given you the ability to appropriate the commands of God to break the neck of the enemy. I want you to walk in freedom. Christ wants you to walk in freedom. He wants to break the chains off your life. Demons torment. You ever been tormented? You ever been tormented in your mind? that you were so afflicted, so confused, that you literally were feeling torment. Matthew 18 talks about the parable of the unforgiving servant. 
And he goes on to say that if you walk in unforgiveness, that he will hand you over the tormentors. That, my God, wouldn't it do it? Read your Bible. If Christ forgave you, how much more do you need to forgive those who have trespassed against you? The disciples, they said, Lord, Lord, teach us how to preach good sermons and hold big rallies, right? Wait, he didn't say that? Teach us how to build mega churches so we can have super great followings and big, big YouTube channels and talk about nothing on YouTube all day and get a bunch and make up a bunch of prophecies. Lord, we want to have great big influence. No, the disciples said something humble, something lowly. Lord, Lord, teach us how to... Say it again. Prayer is a weapon that you possess that we are not using to the fullness of our capacity. Shout prayer. My house shall be called a house of what? Of what? He says, but you've turned it into a den of thieves. Is your church, your temple, your home a house of prayer? Oh, you can say, oh, that's why I don't go to church. We've got a home church because our church, we got six people that are going to heaven and all y'all are going to hell because we do it right. There's no churches and no pastors. Okay, is your house a house of prayer? Because God has called you to understand, to walk in the level of power, you need to be a praying people. Shout prayer. So the enemy, he torments. He doesn't just torment your mind. He torments your body. Anybody here have any sickness? Any pains, ailments, diseases? Well, the Lord has been known to be a miracle worker. You still believe in miracles? In Ohio, we have a motto that says, with God, all things are possible. I believe him to be true. I understand that God is a miracle worker. He's one who can not just save my soul, but he can heal my body. He's not just one that can heal my body. He can save my mind. He's not just one that can save my mind. He can fix my heart. He's one that doesn't just do patch up jobs. He does brand new creations. He says, I've made you a new creation. He says, I'm not going to patch you up and make you just a little bit better than you were. He says, no, the old man's got to die and the new man's resurrected you've been resurrected in my image and likeness and you are a brand new man do you remember when you became new when you walked in the joy of the lord and the joy of the lord was your strength and your salvation and your hope and your deliverer because if we lose sight of what God has called us to do, we could be nothing more than a bunch of orphans trying to find someone to, to get in to our ideology and somewhere to fit in. But God says, you're a part of my family, a part of my kingdom. You're not a bastard anymore. You're my son of whom I love. And in that place, in that place comes deliverance. In that place, sickness begins to lose its hold. Demons, they compel. You ever felt compelled to do something that was unholy? The very thing that you want to do, you don't do, and the very thing you don't want to do, you find yourself doing, and you start walking in double-mindedness, and you're all of a sudden just being tossed to and from, and there's a war. Demons enslave. I heard tomorrow we're going to be talking about pornography, the biggest pandemic that, that ravages the body of Christ because pornography gets into a place where the mind is attached to darkness. 
The enemy will exploit things in your life that God put in you to twist them to get you to be a slave to its commands. And God can bring freedom. Shout amen. He deceives. You know, one of the greatest deceptions that I'm seeing right now is in the church. If you're deceived on doctrine, if you're deceived into spiritualism that's not rooted in Christ alone, there's a deception that even Satan masquerades as an angel of light. And lastly, one of the things the enemy will always try to do, and I left this for last because I love you. But one of the things that God hates the most is pride. And the reason I left it is what I've seen through observation of being a pastor, my own trials and tribulations, and working a year in the campaign field while pastoring full-time, is that the patriot group that wants nothing more than for God to be the foundation of our society once again, if we're not careful, we will slip into pride. Because Satan does not care how he destroys you as long as he destroys you. And so it takes a woman of God, it takes a man of God to allow God to bring his light and the same sun that can melt the butter can harden the clay. And your mindset in this moment can be, oh, I'm not prideful. And if you're upset that I would even bring this up, your heart is hard. Because God needs to allow you to be pliable that he may be able to use you in the fashion and the desire that you want. But pride has got to go. How am I doing on time? 10 minutes. I was told that tonight there's going to be a time of ministry. Do you want that? A time where you can maybe lay some things down that you came from wherever you came from and you come home and maybe your wife, maybe your husband sees something new about you. Because what I've seen, I've been to a lot of events and people come home angry. I'm so mad. I found out that this is going on and I hate this country and I'm going to go out and I'm just going to live out there in Kentucky. I'm never coming out. I'm going to build a bunker and we're going to get in it. We're going to put a lot of food in it. And when, they, when those comms come, those communists, we're going to be fine because we got enough food for three years. And the very thing that God says that I'm sending you out into all the world to make disciples, you are now retreating into your own flesh and you're making it about you. What if you had to lay down your life? Disciples said, Lord, Lord, we, we gave up everything. In a world that constantly is about trying to make you follow them, are you following the Jesus of the Messiah of the world? Are you following a man? Jesus said, and he was the first one, sir, that said, follow me. In a world of misfits, in a world of confusion, in a world of Darkness, are you a light? Are you part of the same 
darkness that the enemy is trying to bring over the world now. Luke 4.18, Jesus said this, the Spirit of the Lord is upon me. I referenced this earlier. I want to read it to you. Because he has anointed me to preach the gospel. If you know what the gospel means, shout it. To have good news, that means that there was bad news. That in of yourself was no good thing. That I came to preach the gospel to the poor. He has sent me to heal the brokenhearted, preach deliverance to the captives, recovering sight to the blind, to set liberty, shout liberty, all that are bruised to preach the acceptable year of the Lord. Now, how many knows the difference between freedom and liberty? There's one woman in the back. I think she knows. Shout it out, ma'am. I'll be curious on this. Where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. Liberty and freedom are different, but yet they're very close. But can I tell you? Anybody ever watch those old country Western movies? Boom, boom, boom. And they'd, they'd have the shootout, and the cowboy would jump off the horse and like, shbing, 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 shbing. And what's the horse doing in most of them? Huh? He's standing there. Is the horse free? Is the horse free? If you think yes, raise your hand. Let's take a vote. How many, how many think so? I mean, is he tied down? No. So could he run? And don't you think if you were a horse, you would run? I mean, if I was a horse, I'd run. I'd be running around. But the horse is free, but he's not free, is he? He's in bondage. Anybody train horses? Okay, so we, we know what we're doing. Um, horses go through a process when they're wild. To get them less wild, what has to be done to them? Say it again. So they become broken. And in that brokenness, in the moment that they're freed, they realize that they're still broken, so they have no liberty. Because they found themselves in a place where they could run, but yet they were broken, so they don't run. They don't do what they were called to do. Some of you here are no different than that horse. You've been so broken that you don't even know what liberty feels like. The only view you have of Christianity is the church experience that you grew up with, and you're mad about something that you don't even realize was never God's plan in the first place. God didn't design you to pin you up into a church. Are you kidding me? God didn't design you to just stay all night, every night in a church praying. I'm not against that. We got a week prayer service coming up. But a building is a place of gathering. A building is a place of equipping. A building is a place where we train. Amen? But you, my friends, are the church. 
You, my friends, are the ecclesia. You, my friends, are the ones who've been called out, out of the world, so God can put his spirit in you and then make you like him and put you back into the world so the world can now see that you are the salt and the light of the earth. But you need to walk in liberty that Christ has made available to you. Lift your hands up to the Lord as I pray. Dear Heavenly Father, we thank you for your son, Jesus Christ, the Lord and the Savior of the world. We ask now, Father, that your spirit would begin to move. Lord, that you would break chains of bondage, break chains of religious religiosity, break chains of addiction and failure, break chains of all the pain within the body, within the heart, within the mind. And we speak right now to darkness that your time is finished. We speak right now a separation of light and darkness, and we speak the freedom and the liberty of Jesus Christ amongst your people. And we command right now that every unclean spirit that's not of the Holy Spirit begin to be pulled up and pulled out and separated. And we speak the day of the Lord's deliverance is at hand. And we speak amongst this camp to the north, south, east, and west that we are setting a people free for the kingdom of God. And the kingdom of God will advance and America shall be saved and our children shall be saved and our families shall be saved and our sons and daughters shall be saved and he who the son sets free is free indeed god bless you we will be ministering this evening let's give the lord a mighty shout come on somebody up in here give him a shout of praise we are bringing the fire to flemingsburg kentucky Pastor Anthony kicked it off. All right, now, your souls have been fed. We would also like to feed your bodies, okay? But, but, I don't know where um, Scott Kisterson is. <laughs> is he over there? Mr. Kesterson? Before he gets to that. Okay, so we have a little bit, we got a problem? Okay. We, have, we do have a little pity problem. So I have... You see that man right there, Pastor Neil? His worship leader is with us tonight. And we, Nikki, brought us a keyboard because she plays the keyboard. But Nikki brought the wrong adapter. So if anyone in this camp has a keyboard, would you speak now or forever hold your peace? And if you don't have one, could you just go ask anybody if they have a keyboard? Because this, this lady who found the diamond, she told me that somebody around here probably has a keyboard. Now, then they might live here. So if we could get the word out, we need a keyboard, you know, that you play with, okay? Or an adapt. Well, bring all the adapters. We'll just keep trying one by one. Okay, there's that. Now, we are doing baptisms right now. Right now. So if you brought your family or friends, we're doing three baptisms tonight tomorrow night at dinner, and Sunday at the sunrise service. So anybody who wants to be baptized tonight, we're meeting up. Where is the flagpole? It's up that way. Could, at the entrance. The en I can see it from right here. So if you follow my trajectory. Oh, my gosh. Come here. 
We are looking for. Can I interrupt for a second? Are you serious? You're taking I'm over serious. the I'm serious. I'm going to interrupt for a second. Yeah. yeah. I heard my father say, you got to say something. So I just took the liberty. So I'm sorry. Um, baptism. Do you understand how important this is? It is your opportunity to connect with his death, burial, and resurrection. You want the most power-filled opportunity to not just get wet, but get transformed, Woo! delivered, filled, empowered. If Jesus himself did it, who didn't need it, but the heavens opened and a dove came down, well, wouldn't that be cool? I mean, if you, if you got like, you know, touched as a little baby, that's great. If they got sprinkled, I don't care how they did it. You have a chance knowing everything that you've been talked to today. Prayer Dolores. Yes, yes, thank you. We'll okay. That was interrupting. It's what I did. So do unto others as you just did unto them. So it's all fine. But I, I really want to encourage you, if you have not been baptized and you have the slightest nudge whatsoever, do not ignore that. It's going to be so powerful and, and it, it can deliver you from anything that you've been bothered with because you leave the old man in that water and you come out in the fullness of newness of life. And it's just, it's, it's such a power center. So I didn't want to just say, hey, if anyone just wants to get, no, do it. Okay. Sorry. No, that's good. No, actually, you're, um, you're kind of reminding me and I'm, I kind of felt a little bit like a loser because we had had this discussion about um, even if you... Okay, so Brad is really good at making sure we all stay on spiritual track. So thank you, Pastor Brad. He's our, all of our pastor. Um, the word that we got was that even if you've been baptized, like you've been transformed here, so go dunk. Go, it's not about just getting saved baptism. You can get, you can, can you tell people? They can get baptized again. Okay, so we're going to do, so all y'all probably need to be baptized again because y'all came in kind of dirty. So you get in the water and the first one in is good. The rest of them, y'all, it could get ucky, you know. No, no. We, we get rid of everyone's demons after each one. We just do a quick cleansing of the water so you don't jump into someone else's demons. Thank you. I was talking about physical dirt, but that spiritual dirt's going too. Um, so, so I'm serious. This was something that we talked about that we probably all should be baptized here and now I'm thinking about it probably myself. So we're, we're going away different. And in that spiritual thing, there's a connection between the leadership that's going to be baptizing us. Okay, God, why do you make me do these things? You got one of y'all got to baptize Michelle and I because we got it. We're coming up different too. We're all coming out soaking wet tonight. We're all going to do it. We're all coming. We're all going in. We're all going out different. I'm going to have okay. to redo my makeup. Okay. It's all good. That's okay. All good. So I'm sitting here at this moment just thinking about something here. It's kind of coming to me. So look out. Here we go. Yeah. Okay. We're going to do a prayer first. All right. So we did a prayer for Dolores, mother of Eva. And I don't know if you've all been, most of you have been following our prayer weekend show. 
So it's three hours now, it goes to four hours, whatever we need to do, we just roll. And we've really been seeing the power of the Holy Spirit heal people. And I don't mean in little ways. I just want to give a couple testimonies, it's going to get you fired up because this is going to be one of these. We had a person that was, we had one of our followers in the UK ask for prayer for their friend that was down in the islands. He had been scuba diving, run over by a boat, broke his pelvis, had internal injuries, was on life support. They didn't think he was going to make it. So we asked for prayer, and Bars Nation rallied up and gave prayer. Next weekend, we started our prayer, and we got the report on him, and he was flying home to Illinois. Yeah. And that's God. We had um, one of our followers have his cousin jump into a pond, and he broke his neck, had no feeling from the neck down. He said, he wrote to me, he says, I never asked for prayer, Scott, but please, I need prayer. So we hit it. Within one hour of our prayer, he had feeling in his body, his feet were moving, his hands were moving, and he's on recovery now. And so I say all this because we have, this is one on cancer, and we're, we're dealing with a cancerous tumor. I don't, we've had a lot of cancer healing. So I'm kind of like, really, God? Like, cancer? Okay, we'll knock this one out of the park pretty quick. Let's do it. So, all right, let's do it. We're praying for Dolores, mother of Eva. Now, this cancerous tumor has been shrinking, and she's been getting better, but we're not going to stay there, Lord. Lord, we're declaring with authorities given to us in the blood of Christ that this cancerous tumor is removed. No more gone. We are just pushing it out. We're going to return that body to the perfection that Christ intended. It's a perfection of the body the body and all the kingdom intended. It is completely healed. There's no more cancerous tumor. We can already see it. We see the bonds breaking. We see that energy of the Holy Spirit flowing. We have a hedge of protection around Dolores, and within that, we are just filling that space with the Holy Spirit. Any of the demons that are hanging on, you're gone. Your bonds are broken. You're repelled. We're binding you with the words that I of these words forever and eternity that Jesus is Lord. And Jesus, we place these demons at your feet to do whatever you wish. Any ancestral ties, any ancestral bonds we are breaking, and those chains are severed. And with this, we are pushing back to heal Dolores to her perfection and the glory, to give her long life, to give her energy, vitality. And Lord, we declare this in the name of Christ. And as he said, if you, use, if you speak to the Father in my name, it shall be given. And so we speak it. Amen. Amen. All right, so this is what I was thinking. Pastor Dave Bryan has got a book over there, and it's pretty intense. And um, there's been some strange stuff going on here. I've got some pastors that are working it hard on the peripheral. They're great pastors. A lot of some sort of deep witchcraft has been, we've been under attack by some witch's coven or something. And I'm good with that because they're losing, but it's causing a lot of disruption. We've seen it come up in a few places. So tonight, after we get everybody done, we're going to have our evening. I'm going to invite everybody up here because you see what happens after midnight, we do a witching hour. That's what they do. That's the whole thing is about a witching hour. And when you work over on the West Coast, it's not as prevalent here, but you heard from a testimony of an SRA, satanic ritual abuse, and this is what they do. They go into meditation. They do their blood rituals. They do their coven nonsense, and they do it after midnight so that after midnight, after one, then the demons come out and they go. 
that's nuts because we have authority. We've been given authority. So I'm going to be up here tonight. I'm going to invite all of you to be with me. And if you want to do it at your campsite, that's good. But we're going to do a prayer. We're going to do prayer vigil. We're going to be focused now on breaking that. And we're going to break those covenants, those bonds. We're going to separate anything out here that is holding on and trying to move within God's kingdom. And we're going to stand up as the children of the Most High. And we're going to declare that we are free, not just for here, but across this entire nation. The, great, the fastest growing underground movement, unfortunately, in the religious realm is the satanic church. And I rebuke that. I don't accept that. That's just nonsense. And unfortunately, we're sitting back on our heels going, oh, goodness, Satan's coming. No, he's not. Only reason they do that is because we give authority. So tonight, we're here. We have powerful people here, great prayer warriors. We're praying into this. We're snapping and breaking and breaking every chain. We're going to sever the satanic church from this nation, and we're going to push back mightily, and we're going to declare this nation to be free. So... It's going to be a late one. If you so choose to be part of it, I hope you do. But we are going to fight it with the mightiness of the Holy Spirit, and we are going to declare this nation free. I don't know how late it's going to be. You might roll it to three, but I guarantee it'll be glorious. So join us. In the meantime, are we up for this now? Baptisms and dinner. So dinner time first or baptisms first? Well, baptisms before the baptisms. Okay. <laughs> Whatever you want. How's that? So here's the deal. We're going up to do some baptisms. That's where I'm going to be. Jim's got some incredible food that will still be there. And whatever you all are called to do, those that are going to baptize, let's do it. And those that are going to eat, let's do it. And then let's have a great time back here. And let's 630, 730. Hold on. Hold on. 630. We're back here. And then we're going to be doing our round table. It's okay to bring your food to the round table. Yeah, that's what we want. Well, if we run, it's good. We put the tables here. So the idea is we're putting the tables back here so we can all be part of this, okay? So if you want to be part of the baptism and you want to go up there, awesome. We love witness. Everyone loves witness. And don't feel like you're going to miss out on anything because Jim's still cooking, and he knows how to cook all night, right, Jim? Your Jim's will be cooking all night. So late night coffee and beans. Hey, by the way, I just want to call this out, and it's really important. That man runs... An incredible, not just a grill, but he's got a team over there that is cooking like crazy. Yay! And God bless him. So we're good. Okay, so we're, I'm walking that way. Because there's an American flag sitting over there. If you look up to the left of the telephone pole, right below it is a big tub. And the kind of the way God works. Like they're already going up. We got towels and everything. Good. So when the guy brought in the, the baptism tank, he goes, where do you want it? I said, I don't know. He says, well, when I was baptized in this tank right here, I did it up there. I said, well, that's probably a good place because there's water up there. Let's go. So we're up there on top of the hill. See you up there.
Hey, folks, hold on, because I did something wrong. We didn't bless our food. It's kind of like getting sloppy. Thank you for everyone just called that out, so thank you very much. So let's do a quick prayer over the food. Heavenly Father, I just want to thank you for all that you bring. Thank you for all that you provide. Thank you for this bounty we continue to share. And Father, we are blessed in this time to really to break bread with one another, to celebrate the friendship, the fellowship, and the love in the body of Christ. Jesus, our door is open. We invite you in. Please take a seat at the table. Dine with us and bless us. In Christ Jesus' name, amen.